If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And hello to you. I'm Melanie Walker. This is Grounded. And uh, we're talking about an abstract thing today. <laughs> it's not that abstract, actually. It's something all of us should be looking at uh, with a lot more concern. Um, we're talking about food waste and landfill diversion. And in here from Abstract Waste is Colleen Dutoy to come and tell us about how we, as concerned citizens of the world, can actually do more for it. And thanks for coming to join us. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Okay, so tell me a basic, what, what does Abstract Waste actually do? I've basically come from a number of years within the recycling and waste industry. And over the last few years, there's been a massive focus due to legislation changes of how waste is managed. Mm -hmm. Let's put it for lack of a better way of putting it. And one of those is food waste. We throw hundreds of thousands of tons of food waste away every year mm. due to health compliance and strict regulations in place by the food and health industry. So the focus for me over the last few years has been to look at how we can divert food waste responsibly mm. and not send it to landfill. And there's been a number of factors over the last few years, especially with the um, Environmental Waste Act and a lot of the legislation that has been placed on how we divert or how we manage waste going mm. to landfill. And one of those things is is that, let's put it this way, uh, five years ago, you could take rotting meat to landfill and it would cost you 100 rand a ton. Mm. But basically what happened in 2018, legislation changed and a number of things couldn't go to landfill anymore. And if they could go to landfill, it had to go to a particular type of landfill mm. And the other thing is the prices went up exponentially. So rotting meat, for instance, can only go to an A-class landfill site. And if you take it to an A-class landfill site, you can pay anything from 800 rand a ton upwards. Mm. And because the two key A-class landfill sites are privately owned and not government owned, they can charge what they like. Yeah, pretty much okay. so. Yeah. So... We had to find other solutions. Now, another solution is to incinerate, okay? But that's also very, very expensive. And one of the other problems with incineration is is that the incinerators can only take so much per day, mm. you know? So if you've got 50 tons of food waste to throw away or to incinerate, that can take an incinerator anything from a week to two weeks to incinerate. And then you've also got the byproducts of the incineration process, well, that's which the is other into the sky uh, and into, where, it, it, what do you do with the waste? Yeah. Correct. It's emissions. And then the ash that's left from mm. it has to go to an A-class landfill site anyway, you know, because it, we don't know unless we actually classify it or we, we send it for lab tests and that sort of thing. We don't know what's in it, you mm. know, because the meat could have been diseased. Let's just use that as an example. So bearing all of this in mind, we had to look, and not just me as a, as a company, as an individual, the industry had to look at it. Mm. 
And it has come a long way. You know, I think that unfairly a number of South Africans think that we're very far behind in mm. terms of how we manage waste in this country. And I can proudly say that working within the waste industry, we've actually come a long way in, in dealing with that waste. Mm. So when we've looked at it, there have been a number of solutions that have come around. One of them is commercial composting mm. and the way composting is now done. And I'm sure you would probably relate to this from the gardening point of view. Yeah. You know, a number of years ago, meat waste wasn't a great compost material. But now if you use it in a bukashi in your own home environment, then it breaks it down. You can put it into Absolutely. the soil. Absolutely. Yeah. And also composters have become more educated, I think, yes. and more learned in terms of how to break down protein product. Not yes. necessarily just meat waste, but protein product mm. in a composting environment. So now that's become very easy for us. You know, um, so there's a number of commercial, large commercial composters that are very happy to mm. take meat and general food waste. For instance, dough was a no-no as well. Mm. You know, again, as long as it doesn't have certain yeast products in it or the pH levels are of a standard, composting loves the stuff. But it's, it's for me, it's just completely crazy hearing about how much food waste there is when we're in a place oh. where so many people are hungry. Oh, I know. How I, it, does this happen that there's so much waste? <laughs> it breaks my heart. I, I do have to tell you, there's so many times that I, I'm at a number of food companies and I sit there and it breaks my heart to see how much we take away, you know, and we're dumping it. But the problem is we do have to, there's always a knock-on effect. Mm. And the problem is sometimes that food waste, it is expired waste. And yes, one packet out of, 10 tons of product might be affected and somebody gets ill. Mm. Large companies cannot take the risk of having their name attached mm. to that product, no matter how, how well-meaning it was to feed the soup kitchen and to feed hungry children. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a different factor when it comes to things like bread, you know, or... I, let's put it this way, you're non-perishable items. Yeah. But I tend to deal with a lot more um, of the perishable goods because we've got to work with it quickly. Yeah. You know, so the moment that stuff is returned from store or it's in cold storage or it's somewhere, we've got to deal with it very quickly. And the only way we can deal with it is places like composting. We also do waste to energy, mm. you know, buy to what and I name them because they're such an, an amazing um, organization. They've got a facility out in Broncosprate mm -hmm. and um, they produce electricity, you know, off the grid by using food waste. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. Listen, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't invite you just to go and have a look at the plant because it's, it stinks to my <laughs> I'm sure. I've been to enough composting yeah. places to know what the smell can be like. Yeah. And, and the, bio, the biogas plant works on an anaerobic digestive system. Yeah, so it's also creating so methane and all kinds of stuff. Word, yeah. you know, it, it really is a really stinky place. But, but, but it is, I mean, it's a strange thing. You're sitting there and you think, well, you know, obviously people are eating. I mean, you hear how much people just throw away in their own homes domestically um, every single year. And we're not talking just about South Africa. I mean, in America, it's even worse. The amount of food that actually just goes into the bin 
Whereas most of us are taking it and, and either bokashiing it or putting it into a um, compost heap or something like that and making some way of reducing our waste. But the fact that there is so much food out there that is not being eaten that can be creating energy instead. <laughs> it's, but that's exactly it's bizarre. why. That's exactly why to what is such a great facility yeah. because it took them a long time to get a license. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one day, Melanie, it's a great idea for to have one of them come and have a chat to you because it's an it, it's it's a, it's a great story. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, they are looking at more facilities, and but they're very expensive to build, mm-hmm. and you know the return on investment, and that's the thing. The moment you start with these wonderful ideas of using food waste in a more productive manner, mm. you've got to start working cost effectiveness over sustainability. Mm. And unfortunately, in this country right now, cost effective is going to work a hell of a lot more than sustainability, yeah. unfortunately. You know, we, we're all aware of that. But it's just such a good idea to look at different ideas. And that's always been my focus. Mm. How can we reduce waste? How can we look at waste in a different way? You know, when people ask me, what do you do? And I go, waste management. Oh, do you come and fetch my wheelie bin? <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's so many people who are getting into it, but, but there are so many different, I mean, I'd never thought about the, the waste, the food waste point of it because Correct. I mean, we, we take a lot of stuff and do a lot of work with corporates where we say they've got these things that they need to do something with and we have to debrand things. And, you know, I mean, if we talk exactly. about corporate gifts, we're talking about any metals. I mean, there's obviously your waste pickers who come around and do domestic stuff. Perfect. Yes. So people are doing a lot of stuff, but I mean, it's, yeah, what do you do with food that you don't want to just go and dump it in a dump? You can't go and give it to piggies anymore. No, it, it is a gray area. I am going to tell you that, but hunting legislation, mm-hmm. um, I've actually got a notification from Gauteng legislation with and with the CSIR in conjunction with the CSRR that basically state that food waste um, is not conducive towards pig farmers anymore unless you prepare to cook it and swill it and do lots of things before giving it to the pigs. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons for that is is that when we had our big food scare a couple of years ago you know, the listeria outbreaks and yeah. so forth. When they couldn't find that, they actually went back to the pork mm. industry. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you're in gardening, so you know that listeria actually comes from f- um, ground vegetables. Yes. You know, it's actually not from meat waste. However, it did find its way into meat waste. So there's just a lot of things that they try and do to prevent that from possibly happening again. And it's not to say that that's exactly what happened. It isn't. But... Feeding uh, pigs certain food waste, there is risks involved in that as well. Mm. I mean, and I don't even want to go into that because it's a whole different story, but we've just seen what's happened with COVID. You know, something has been attracted through an animal, someone ate it, something, it's the same thing. Mm. You're eating something, you're putting it back and it's, you're giving it to an animal that we actually land up having on our plate Mm. down the line. Is that really ideal? Well, no. if it's vegetables, yes. <laughs> vegetables and fruit, I completely agree with you. Yeah, but it's but when you moment, hear about cannibalistic chickens and things like correct. that. Correct. That and and, and, and ground up bones. And, oh. Well, you see, and that's where, the, that's where the issue comes in. Yeah. And a lot of food manufacturers do think it's okay just to send all food waste to pigs, but it's not. Yes, quite rightly, vegetables, that kind of thing, 
no problem. Mm. You know, um, and again, it's just the quantity. But there's problems with sending stuff to pig farmers as well, or using it for animal feeds and byproducts. Mm. You might be a production lot of animal feed, mm. but you can only take so much. Mm. And if you've got two companies that are supplying you and they're producing, let's say, 100 tons of food waste on a monthly basis, which is very, very valid in terms of statistics, in terms of what I do. That's a lot of waste. Out of two companies. I promise you, it's there. The problem is, is you only do 60 or 70 tons a month. Mm. Now what happens to the other 30 tons? Mm. Are you composting it? Or are you going, okay, I can't use that, so... The landfall's down the road, so I'm just going to take it there. There's just so many anomalies to this industry. So I try and find the most perfect fit Mm. for a particular site or food manufacturer that I work with. Because that's the only way I can assure them that I'm diverting their their food waste. Mm. I mean, I won't mention them by name on on air, but um, one of our key retailers who are almost anal about the environment and we all love shopping there. Their environmental policy is they want zero to landfill by 2025. By 2022, all their food manufacturers and their suppliers Mm. have to have some kind of environmental program in place to show that they are following a zero to landfill philosophy as well. Mm. And it's just been very interesting for me because for the last little while I've landed up working with their manufacturers and it's been really easy. Mm. I didn't think it was. I actually thought it was going to be a little bit more difficult. But I can proudly say that I'm averaging around 94 to 95% landfill diversion on food waste. That's amazing. Yeah. When it comes to landfills, I mean, how full are the landfills in South Africa? I know that they're they're kind of like almost at their peak and they're looking for other places that they can take landfill to. And what actually makes up the most of landfill in this country? Okay, that's an interesting question because your government landfill and those are your municipal landfill sites, you know, the ones based down in Johannesburg and on the East Rand, the West Rand, et cetera, et cetera. Those, probably 80% of them are very, very near their their limit mm. and you know I might say to you five years and you go oh it's still five years away but believe me that's around the mm. corner but we do have private landfill sites there are a number of private landfill sites that are owned by various um, major waste companies in South Africa and they do have a lifespan mm. you know they've, they've got quite a long lifespan still however the landfills are being monitored too they're also being regulated mm. and especially the private landfills, it's it's really strict because they do get visited. But what is the, the difference between a private landfill and a government one? Okay, so um, it'll be ABC Waste Company yeah. who bought land a number of years ago, got it, got it regulated, got all their papers in order, they got all their permits, mm-hmm. and they, they created a landfill site. So, and they own it. They're allowed to say, yes, Mr. Joe Bloggs, you're allowed to bring your waste. Mr. Peter over there, no. Don't but like do they you. take everything? Uh, no, 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 no. Because your your landfill sites are also classified. Okay. Okay. So to take a little bit of a step back, your class A landfill site is your hazardous landfill site. Okay. Okay. So it's all your industrial waste, your chemical wastes, et cetera, et cetera, that have to go to a class A landfill site. I don't want to get bogged down with the 
the heaviness of it, but um, with new regulations, even Class A landfill sites are restricted to what they... If your waste is not classified, Mm -hmm. um, consider it a recipe, for instance. Um, You know, you used to send oil and water Mm. to this particular landfill all your years of using them as a private landfill site. And suddenly I go, I'm sorry, I can't take it anymore because you added a drop of... Vanilla essence. Correct. (laughs) You've got to have it reclassified. You've changed the recipe because by dropping something like vanilla essence into it, you might have changed the pH level. Yeah. You might have changed certain chemical um, levels to it. And now it can't go into that particular cell. It's going to have to go to that cell. And there's a cost involved. Okay. So the private companies are basically taking stuff from, say, business rather than from domestic. Correct. Yes. Okay. Although there are a number of landfill sites around the country that are privately owned, um, one one of them being in Johannesburg mm-hmm. um, and another being in Madrand, that, yeah, you can take your waste to them. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a problem as long as you're paying the – but, again, your waste is – it's noted. Is it garden waste? Is it basic refuse waste? You know, you've done building alterations at home, you need to take it somewhere. And it's a little bit more than what the municipal, you know, the little mini Mm -hmm. um, dump sites sites, yeah. So yeah, you can take them as long as you're prepared to pay the rates. And I can imagine that having to pay some of these places would be quite a lot of money. Well, look, you know, I mean, especially if you're a big company and you've got like, say, a lot of landfill, like a lot of rubble or... Well... Let's just put it this way. When you start working, and I'm going to come back to food waste, you take a company that's producing 50 tons of food waste on a monthly basis, and I'm taking it to landfill at 800 rand a ton. Mm. That's not transport yet. That's just disposal. You start working that out. It's 40,000 rand a month. I'm still gobsmacked about how much food waste there is, though. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sitting here thinking, you know. It's so give you sleepless nights if you know. Why, why, why are people making so much food only for it to be thrown away? Um, I, I understand, you know, that things have a shelf life, et cetera, et cetera, and a lot of the stuff that has to be taken up. But there, there must be a better way of being a little bit more streamlined in this, and especially in this day and age where we've got global recessions happening. We've got so many starving people around the world. Um, have we just become such a throwaway society, maybe in the Western societies, that you know this has become something that oh, it doesn't matter, we'll just throw it away? Do you want I me mean, to hit my head, my forehead on the mic? <laughs> I, throw, I I literally throw away. Um, I, I think I put my bin out, my municipal black wheelie bin, once a month, and in there there may be some stuff that I can't put into a compost heap from my garden, and a half a shopping bag of stuff which I cannot recycle. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 put it into little nuts and bolts for for the listeners. If you take your household waste yeah. on on average, okay, a family of four, and you're doing a meal per day. I mean, this is forget about breakfast and the sandwich mm. at lunchtime. I'm talking about a fully prepared meal in the evening, and you're cooking it for a family of four. You are only producing between point fifty five grams and point seventy five grams of food waste Mm. that's what it boils down to okay and basically when you start weighing it and when you separate correctly Mm -hmm. when you start separating your packaging away from your actual food waste 
And I've done this exercise. When you throw your garbage away on the day that the municipality come and collect mm-hmm. it, you probably wouldn't even half fill a checker's packet yeah. for the whole week yeah. that you actually produced waste yeah. because you've taken your packaging out. You know, so that just my shows packaging you- gets washed and put into eco bricks. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I? It's just to give you that little bit of a yeah. a little bit of a background in terms of the exact weight mm. of what you actually discard. Now, when it comes to food manufacturing, it's a whole different story. It is to do with demand and supply. It might be interesting for you to actually maybe get somebody like a food manufacturer and, and have them from their point of view because. They are so regulated in terms of health and safety. Mm. You know, um, one of the major food suppliers that I work with, their packaging had to change. And before it was recyclable. Because the packaging is permeated, you can't recycle it. We don't have a recycling avenue for it. Mm. Look, it's not a lot. It's probably on average maybe about 60 to 80 kilograms mm-hmm. that we have to discard when we depackage food waste. But still, 60 to 80 kilograms over a, an annual period suddenly becomes one and a half tons, you know. Suddenly you're looking at this and going, okay. Um, but the food waste itself, it is to do with demand and supply. You know, your your retailers order. Mm. When it doesn't get sold, it gets returned. You know, because it's branded. It's it's not a no-name branded to a specific mm. retailer. It's it's actually branded by that food manufacturer. They can't take the chance. They just cannot take that chance. So I love the fact that some of the stores will actually, when it's like almost by its complete sell-by date. Oh, yes, they discount it discount now it, these yeah. days, yes. And that should be happening a lot more. It just makes it a lot easier for, for the people who have got very little. And I mean, if you think about... With this current COVID virus um, crisis, I mean, 50% of the population going to be without jobs. Um, it's going to take a couple of years to to come. And, and of course, with working in a soup kitchen, you're aware of, like, at least the farmers are coming on board. Oh, we've got too much of this particular vegetable. We're going to give you all of this and you can use it in the soup kitchens, which has been fantastic from that point of view. I mean, most of that stuff might have gone to waste because it wouldn't get to the right people in time. But it just... I don't know. It's there has to be. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm actually. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm quite shocked to hear about the actual scale of stuff that you, the, you know the, the tonnages that you're talking about here. I, I predominantly work with meat products, mm. which is less. It sounds high still, mm. but their food waste isn't as high as when you start going into the perishable market, like fruit and vegetables. We live in a society where uh, that. Banana looks a little bit brown. I'm not buying it. Or we've squeezed an avocado to death and now it mm. looks dreadful. Mm. There actually isn't anything wrong with it. It's just slightly bruised, but no one wants to buy it. So. Why are we not going on the same way as they're doing in France and other countries now where all of that, there's no, you're not allowed to get rid of the, the it has to go somewhere. It, you know, all the fresh, you're talking about those perishables, vegetables and fruit. Mm. I mean, they're not going to, those fruit and veggies are not going to kill people. No, they're not. Um, well, we hope they're not, but um, well, <laughs> <laughs> depends on what you've been growing them in. Yeah, it just depends on it. The the, the problem is that when it comes to that kind of fruit and vegetables, 
those are very easy because you tend to find that your larger retailers do tend to discount it or they do give it away. Mm. They, they do. They'll give it to, you know, the Salvation Army. They'll give it to a lot of the church groups for their soup kitchens, et cetera, et cetera. You'll probably find that very likely they do. Mm. One of the key retailers that I do know, they have the Salvation Army come around every day with their vans to collect their sell by date food Mm. because we still know that even though it was supposed to have been sold today it's probably still good for the next two or three days Mm. and because that food's given out by tomorrow it's all good but this is the thing with sell bait and I'm sorry I'm going back Mm. to the sell bait because I'm thinking about it from a like a domestic point of view my children look at something and say oh no it's sell by date is this date and it's best by date is that date so I'm not going to eat this now I'm like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that food, okay? If it's rotten and growing mold, then you can't eat it. <laughs> Correct. Maybe it's because, you know, some of us got brought up by people who are uh, uh, children uh, in the, the war. Uh, well, well, we were brought up by the silent generation, which was the waste of what not. Yes, exactly. You know, what is green? Scrape it off. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fish paste, especially. Or, or eat, or, or um, put some more jam on it. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not that bad. No, no we're okay. not. But, but Mike, uh, seriously, the, the new generations, they look at this and they don't, no, no, no. I'm, they don't even understand. Oh, no, the jam's been in the fridge for too long. You must throw it away. I'm like, it's a preserve. Correct. That's what they do. They, they stay preserved in the fridge. Correct. So you don't need to throw it away. No. Do you think that it's also because people have become so out of touch of where their food comes from, what goes into it, how it works, how preserves work, that people have just decided, oh, well, we'll just toss everything? You know, one of the things that um, you, you touched on earlier was we're such an excessive society. Mm. We are a throwaway society. Mm. You know, let's take away food waste for the moment, you know, you buy a TV or a fridge, you buy an appliance. It only lasts X number of years. You can't fix it because it's cheaper to go and buy a new one than to actually have it fixed. This is the same thing that applies to certain of our perishable and non-perishable things. I mean, if you remember um, our parents or many years ago, we shopped basically on a daily basis or on a weekly basis and you only bought enough for that particular day or for the following day because our goods were not preserved. Mm. You know, we didn't have the preservatives in it. And sadly, as much as the preservatives in it help our food last longer, it's also the thing that causes us having to discard that food down the line. Mm. Okay. It's quite a thing, this. And we could, we could, I mean, I know we could. I think we could probably spend hours on this and we'd still not find but satisfactory what I'd like answers. To know, I mean, from you, is there anything that, you know, if people are listening and they think, oh, I'd like to do something about this? I mean, if it's a company or individuals, I mean, how, how could they get involved with helping out on this? I think that if you're an individual and you really want to make an impact, the best thing to do is to do your own thing. Mm. You know, do your worm farming thing, do your Bakashi brand thing, you know. Um, you know, Builders Warehouse and all those kind of places sell. I mean, you you know the Bakashi mm. system mm. and you'd probably have to go to some of the more better known nurseries and you could probably find the, the worm farming solution. Get, yeah, get Earth Probiotics. It's the best stuff There going. you go. Yeah. You know, um, you can get all of that. From a business and a commercial point of view, you know, your you know, even your small businesses, I take the studio in itself. Mm. There's nothing wrong in putting a Bakashi brand system in your own kitchen here. Mm. To, to do that, you know, because we do have discarded food. That's one way of putting it. That, that's a great way from a domestic point of view. The moment we start going into commercial and your larger business, Then they need to get hold of you. 
they're going to need to get hold of me because it, it's not effective to do those kind of because they become very expensive. Yeah. So we look for a solution and I look for a solution that is the most cost effective and sustainable way in a friendly manner that you're going to be very happy with at the end of the day. So you're not going to be doing things like they did at the Mount Nelson where they went and set up those huge worm farms for all of their kitchen waste. That was such a brilliant idea. I give kudos to the Mount Nelson for that. So if anybody wants to get hold of you and they, if they do have this problem, they want to be a little bit more forward thinking when it comes to their waste, how do they get hold of you? Okay, they can email me at colleen at abstractwaste.co.za and abstract is spelt as in abstract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my cell phone number is zero seven eight five seven three six eight six seven. You have a website? We don't yet. We're actually busy with our website at the moment. Good. We've had a we've had a couple of changes. But I am on LinkedIn and you can just look for me as under Colleen Detoy on LinkedIn and all my details are on LinkedIn as well. Well, I hope that's given everybody food for thought. It certainly has me. Sorry about the pun there. But um, yeah, so let's see what we can do to actually become a, a, a less throwaway society. I think that's the best way of doing it. I agree it. with you. Colleen, thanks for coming in to chat Thank to us. Thank you, Melanie. And uh, yeah, please keep up the good work. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and for the rest of you, yes, please, um, you can get outside, uh, enjoy the sunshine, stay safe, stay home, stay warm, and we'll catch you again next time. Above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.